0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 12, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. The farm bill is the ultimate example of concentrated benefits and diffuse costs, says Cato Institute trade policy analyst Sally James. Farm subsidies, she argues, are hard to justify on their merits and even harder to justify when they go to massive corporate farms.
1: Things are so great in farm country that the income is this year, their net farm income is projected to increase by about 44%. Uh, the the debt to asset ratio is the lowest it's ever been. Commodity prices are very high histor- by historical standards. And there is a huge, on the other side, a groundswell of support for reforming these farm programs and not just by the usual suspects such as the Cato Institute but Oxfam America, uh, Bread for the World which is like an anti-hunger, anti-poverty, religious-based group, uh, environmental groups are all pointing out the problems with these farm programs and why they should be reformed and I, it's just very, very frustrating that so far po- politicians have not been able to ha- to take the leadership and to show it by standing up to farm constituencies, farm lobby groups that are just so, so powerful. And it really does beg the question, what would it take for those interests to be overridden and for reform to occur?
0: U.S. Senator Ben Nelson is co-sponsoring a measure that would limit some federal subsidies available to farmers. He says, mega farms should not receive mega payments. Senators Byron Dorgan and Charles Grassley introduced the amendment that would limit a married couple to $250,000 in subsidies per year. Current law allows $360,000 annually. Could you evaluate that proposal?
1: The proposal, in principle, is a good one. And that is that so many of these the commodity payments, that's the payments that go to farmers uh, based on what they grow. So it's not things like environmental payments, but the actual commodity payments, go to the largest farms usually, they're not the struggling family farm, they're either very large commercial farms or they're, they're, they're fa- family farms that are big enough to really survive and, and, and not need subsidies. So that's part of the problem that with these subsidies is the gross inequity of them. So what the Senators are trying to do is to limit, as you say, the amount that any one farm, whether it's a, a single or a couple farming, can receive. In commodity payments. Now that is as I said in principle a great idea. The problem I have with it is first of all the payment limit is not in my mind uh, severe enough. I'd like to see the payment limit be zero uh, and the other problem is what they're proposing to do with the money that they save and it will save about half a billion dollars over five years so it's a significant amount. They're proposing to shift those funds to other programs and to keep it within if you like the, the scope of the farm bill. writ large so in other words they're going to give money to farmers markets promotion and micro business development in rural areas so they're really not giving that money back to the proper owners of it which is the taxpayers they're just spreading that around a little bit more so while in principle it's a good idea I I don't think it goes anywhere near far enough for what taxpayers and consumers deserve.
0: It's very easy to see the benefits of these payments these are farmers somehow they benefit from large uh, cash payments, it's not so easy to see the damage that is done through these distortions on the farm economy.
1: Right. I mean, this is a classic case of diffuse costs and concentrated benefits. That's exactly what we're seeing here. It's a great example of it, actually, for students of political economy. It doesn't make very encouraging reading. There's a study, but it's certainly a good example of this problem. First of all, as you say, we've got the taxpayers. It's up to $21 billion a year. The new farm bill that the House passed and the Senate looks like passing, it's about $300 billion over five years. That includes nutrition programs and environmental programs as well as those commodity subsidies that I spoke about. But it's still a significant amount of money. Uh, consumers also pay because products such as dairy and sugar are supported not so much by taxpayer kind of welfare payments but by isolating the domestic market, keeping prices high. And that's about $146 per annum. Uh, each household. That's not a lot really when you think about it and in fact proponents of farm subsidies, farm lobby groups will often use uh, the rhetoric of it's just pennies a day and look how much cheap food you get. You know I, I think that's rubbish for two reasons. First of all uh, yes, it is pennies a day per person, but it all adds up. Pennies a day spread over three hundred million consumers is, and taxpayers is still th- is still pennies a day, and it's, it adds up. The other problem. Um, with that comment is it implies that without those pennies a day we'd all be starving. I don't think that's true, especially because a lot of commodities, fruit and vegetables for example, don't don't get any subsidies as well and yet we don't see shortages of those products. So I think it's a false argument but they are able to use it successfully apparently because the bills keep getting passed Um, and it's just a great example of where if you spread the cost Thinly enough and widely enough, you can funnel a large amount of money to a very small proportion of, of people in America. And these farmers represent less than 2% of the population here, and, and and they're getting a lot of money.
0: Sally James is a trade policy analyst at the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. More podcasts are available at cato.org.